Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Straight Talk Radio, where we discuss business, politics, and culture. This is Donya Keating. I'm your host. I'm coming to you live from the Seattle area. It's about 2 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time on Friday, September 7th. It has been a while since we hosted a show, but we were pressed into service by several who's been you know, been sending us messages or contacting us on Facebook, asking us where we are. So here we are, and uh, you know, obviously the subject <clears throat> was kind of lingering and going on for the last couple of years, and so we thought we'd go ahead and pick that up. So if you're out there and you want to contribute to the conversation, you can do that um, live by calling 929-477-2404. Looks like a new number there. I can tell you right now that anything foolish is going to get airlocked, so just be warned. Um, and I don't know who's going to be calling in today, if it's just going to be me talking or if other people are going to call in a little over. So we're just going to roll with it. All right. Uh, many of you have no doubt been hearing about or reading the headlines and reactions to this ongoing NFL issue. So let's just get right to it and just do some stage setting. Um, some of our listeners are not um, from America, so I'm going to do a little bit of information that some of you may consider obvious. Um, Colin um, Kaepernick, whom we'll just call Cap from here on out, um, he is or was an American football quarterback who played um, college football for University of Nevada, and then he was selected by San Francisco 49ers in the second round of the 2011 NFL Draft. He became their starter in the middle of the 2012 season um, after Smith suffered a concussion, and in that role, he actually led the team to their first Super Bowl appearance since, like, 1994. So uh, during the 2013 season, he helped the Niners reach the NFC Championship game, and over the next three seasons, he kind of went in and out of starting um, but the 49ers missed the playoffs, and Cap opted out of his contract to become a free agent um, after the 2016 season. So 2016 is when it all happened. Um, he chose to kneel on one knee during the national anthem at the start of the game and said he did this um, as a protest against racial injustice in the United States. Uh, more NFL players started to kneel, and of course, you know, there's an eruption in response to that, and that's uh, why we have the show. So... Um, I asked for some stats on this, you know, but I'm going to qualify it for the usual reasons. I mean, there, there are people out there that are so um, divisive and fractious that, you know, they question where you posted it from, whether it's from the left or from the right, and when it was done. And some of those reasons are valid. I mean, so that's why I qualify it for the usual reasons. Like I said, it always depends on timing of when a poll is conducted. I've done polls before with clients. Um, it depends on your demographic. It depends on, you know, your plus and minus. So we'll just kind of put that off to the side for now and deal with some basics that we have here just to um, continue setting the stage. So a majority agree that President Donald Trump did the wrong thing by criticizing the NFL player actions, and that was according to a CNN poll conducted by SSRS. 49% disagree with the protesting players, 43% agree, so that's pretty typical in our society. We're almost evenly divided these days. Um, those views are divided by race and partisanship and age. 
Um, for instance, 59% of whites disagree with what they've done. 82% of blacks agree. Um, nine in 10 Republicans disagree. I think that's like 87%, while nearly three quarters of Democrats agree, and that's about 75%. Um, younger Americans agree. 50. 6% of them are under 45, and then 59% of those who are 45 or older disagree with what's been taking place. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, when asked whether professional sports leagues should require their players to stand during the national anthem, 49% of them say yes, 47% of them say no. And in a poll conducted by Marist for HBO Real Sports, which was done last fall, 42% of blacks said players should be required to stand. And now that number has actually changed and dropped to 13%, um, where the views amongst the whites and Hispanics have pretty much held steady. So that hasn't changed. So to finish up our stage setting, um, now we jump into the Nike situation, which is just a couple of days old. Um, they recently created a commercial in celebration of the 30th anniversary of its Just Do It ad campaign, and it aired during the NFL season opener between the Eagles and the Falcons, Philadelphia and Atlanta. And this ad celebrates Cap and other athletes, <laughs> but um, some other people have begun to you know, boycott Nike in opposition because Cap is included, and he's narrating it, and his call at the end of the commercial to believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, um, references his ongoing battle against the NFL, um, which he accuses of keeping him out of the NFL over his kneeling protests against the racial injustices and um, believe that they've kind of colluded to keep him out of that. So um, let me see what else I wanted to say here. I had a note. Uh, not really. I guess that's it. I mean, all, I, all I would say is that you know, other people obviously believe the protests are either an employment issue, um, that it's disrespectful to the flag in America, um, that it's an affront to the veterans who have fought and died in service. Um, and so there's all types of debates about that that have been taking place. And we'll ask some questions about that if anybody calls in or, you know, CJ's looking at the chat and she'll kind of funnel some of the questions to me if we're not already answering them. And just one piece of information to throw in there, this year uh, Amnesty International awarded CAP with the Ambassador of Conscience Award. You know, whatever that means, it is what it is. So the first thing I would uh, ask as a question, we had kind of a mini survey the other day um, through our mail list to ask our listeners, you know, what are some of the questions you would expect of us to ask? And they pretty much aligned with what we planned on asking, so that's good. Um, but the first one is, you know, what are your thoughts about um, kneeling and was it appropriate? And so I see on the switchboard that we have somebody in here. Hello? Hello. Oh, can you hear me? Uh, barely. Can you hear who who is this? Uh, this is Charles. Are you on some kind yeah, of a speakerphone or something, Charles? Because we can't no, hear you very no, well. No, I'm 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 not speakerphone. Okay. Just, well, you. I'm not hands free. Yeah, so your quality is pretty poor. You, yeah, your quality is pretty poor, and that's we're live, so that can't really help us. Well, I guess the first question I would ask is, what are your thoughts about the, the kneeling? Did you feel it was appropriate? Um, I think it's really, it's, I, you know, it's really evenly split. And in my in my opinion, if there was no kneeling, this wouldn't even be a subject. And therefore, people wouldn't be paying attention to the issue at all. I think so. In, in the regard that it brought attention to an issue that he wanted to highlight, 
I think it works. So, yeah, I think it's okay because um, I think there are larger issues. I think if sports only feel or feed the need to, you know, support what the sport is supposed to do, and yet you're also trying to show honor to the, you know, to the flag in the ceremony, I understand all that. But I also think he's trying to raise issues that, you know, due process and protection of the law aren't going to everybody. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a crucial issue that we need to keep revisiting until we can start addressing some of the issues that are there. Okay, so just a, a note out there of a little housekeeping to people that are listening to this um, broadcast. If you decide to call in and you are on your cell phone, could you please go to a place that you know has really good reception and sit in that place very still until you're done on the show because otherwise you're going to do what Charles is doing, which is I can barely hear you. I don't know where you are or what you're doing, but I can barely hear you. Um, I mean, your thoughts will probably come through here and, you know, we'll have to do some, some post-production tweaks, but you are, your reception is very poor. Um, anyway, and my thoughts about the kneeling and what it, was it appropriate, I, I guess where I'm coming from, and I, I have deliberately stayed out of the discussion for the most part on social media, but when I do participate, what I talk about is the fact that I respect his decision to protest what he views as an injustice, and I even understand why he and the other players have chosen that venue. But when I go to a concert... Um, and I pay for tickets, and they're usually really good tickets, and they're very expensive tickets. I don't want someone coming over the microphone before they sing and, and going on about some political issue, um, whether it's F. Trump or F. Obama. I don't care who it is. I don't want to hear it. That's not what I came to the concert to hear. I came to hear performers um, and not hear a lot of politicizing of, of issues. I understand that that's why they do it, because they have an audience. But you know, I don't want to hear it at a sports event either. Now, that being said, if someone is kneeling off to the side in a stadium, I'm not really hearing them. I'm seeing them. And I don't know. I mean, I guess for me it's this is what America is about. And I don't think that seeing someone kneeling off to the side is so offensive to me that I can't continue to see my game. Um, I, I, I still have an opinion that, you know, I really wish it wasn't done there. I really wish the politics wasn't there. But like I said, I understand why it is, and I respect the fact that he feels he needs that type of a venue in order to communicate his message. So, I mean, if somebody wants me to come down and a yes or no, I would probably say no, I'd rather he didn't do it there. But I, I just can't say no because I understand why he's doing it. So that's the way it is. Um, do you feel that he disrespected the flag and the veterans by doing this? Um, no, I think he is trying to honor uh, what the flag represents and that it should be representing everything. Because I, I think it is American ideal to say, look, there's an issue here that we as Americans need to address. Um, you know, it's not, you know, he's not, he's not giving the, you know, go communist, you know, power scenes or something like that. You know what I'm saying? He is trying to avail himself of rights that are supposed to be guaranteed by the Constitution to everybody equally. And I think that's the whole point. It is, a, it is an American, uh, it is a statement to American values. So it's not a, it's not a disrespect of the flag. Well, I think that um, there are some veterans who are opposed to what he did, but I think it goes without saying that the right to protest, uh, the right to speech, civil disobedience, I mean, all are an intricate part of our history, uh, and it is what many have actually fought and died to protect. 
uh, I uh, see a lot of conversation challenging people that are participating. Well, did you serve? Did you serve? You know, so there's like a line drawn in the sand. And, you know, um, I did serve. But, you know, I don't usually talk about that, but I did serve. But that's neither here nor there. I think, you know, as someone who has um, lived and worked in other parts of the world um, and worked in parts and dealt with parts of the world that don't allow this type of assembly or speech or disobedience or, or anything or protest, you know, I have a um, – okay, I'm going to have to put you on hold, Charles, because you're, you're making a lot of noise here. All right, so what I was saying is, um, you know, for from my experience um, and, and the stuff that I do um, globally, I've been in a lot of countries that don't allow this level of, of engagement and, and discussion, and um, I think we should be very grateful that we have that opportunity. So, no, I, I, I absolutely do not think that the NFL players are disrespecting the flag. I don't believe that they are disrespecting veterans. I think about a um, – a show. It was a. It was a. It was a movie, and so I'm not going to be, uh, you know, 100% um, trying to to, to uh, give any kind of credence to a, a fictionalized accounting. But um, I think it was American President, and there was a scene that really stood out for me with Michael Douglas, where he was talking about something obvious, and that is that when you have a flag, it's not just about the flag; it's about the ideal behind it. And if you believe in freedom. Um, you really have to want it badly, and and what that usually ends up entailing is, you know, you look at a flag. Someone has to have the right to stand within inches of you and and argue vehemently against something that you support, and that is the essence of freedom and the essence of speech and the essence of what a lot of us have have fought and died and gotten injured to protect. And I think that sometimes we get very complacent in America and we don't realize um, what the other nations are dealing with where people can't have these discussions. And, um, you know, I think that appropriating or trying to co-op veterans and saying that, you know, this is something that we would, you know, disagree with. I mean, we're human beings like any, anybody else. Some of us agree with it. Some of us don't. We're human beings. But, you know, I just don't think that it needs to be drawn along those lines. I think that that's very myopic. So um, I'm going to check back in with Charles to see if he's gotten um, some better reception. Charles, are you still there? Yes, I am. Um, yeah, and I, I would agree that I think, you know, some veterans would probably be annoyed with the process and some would probably support it. But it's not something I think that needs to be done all the time, but I think it's something that's raised the awareness of the issue. And there's got to be appropriate venues to discuss it. And I get what you were saying, too, also. You know, if you pay good money for something, you want to pay attention to, you know, the sport or whatever is at hand. And I don't think they're trying to co opt the whole event to make it a political discussion. But they're saying to a large audience, and sometimes when you have these huge audiences watching the post, there's a lot of people there who would never normally tune into a broadcast uh, and pay attention to, you know, some of the larger political issues that are happening. I mean, look at the, the level of voter participation we have in the United States. And yet we have significant issues that we are split on. You know, what does that say to the people who don't even vote? What, what do they think? You know, and why are they not participating? Uh, it, it's kind of well, I, we just had a chat thing come through. And Charles, I'm going to ask you again to move somewhere else. I don't know where you are, but please look at your bars. Make sure you have at least four of them and just go somewhere else if you're in your cell. But somebody else actually just sent something through the chat and said that they felt that one of the reasons why um, – well, let me backtrack because they had a folder statement here. Their first statement was that 
um, people are saying that they should actually protest somewhere else, and they are curious as to where that somewhere else is. Uh, and then the second part of their statement is that they feel that the reason why people don't want, the ones that disagree with it, the reason why they don't want the NFL players kneeling in front of them in front of their football game is because they really don't want to see or hear about the fact that this issue is still in our society and that, or they don't care about the fact that people of color or black people um, are still experiencing um, uh, injustice or um, you know, in, discriminant behavior. So that's that's their take on it. Um, you know, I don't know. Like I said earlier, I when I go to a concert, I don't want to hear political stuff. It doesn't matter to me what the subject is. Um, I have my own level of awareness, which is extremely high. I know where to engage on things that are important to me. Um, and I think that um, there's a time and a place for everything. That being said, if someone was getting their head pounded in and they really needed to hear um you know, some feedback or get people engaged or mobilized, then obviously they're going to go out into the middle of a crowd and they're they're going to try to be heard that way. So, I mean, like I said, you know, I, I are people doing it because they are racist, I guess, which is where this person is going. They're still writing comments here. Um, because people are racist and they don't care about the fact that something's happening to the blacks. Well, okay, some people are racist, yeah, and I think that some of them just don't care and they're very dismissive of things that are happening to people of color. But no, I don't believe that that's what's happening to everyone that's disagreeing with this issue. So um, someone else is asking, is it an employment issue? It's an issue of employment between the NFL and its players. Do you agree with that, Charles? What are your thoughts on it? Um, actually, I think they can be restricted in certain things that they're supposed to from an employment point of view. So, yeah, I mean, they can certainly protest, but theoretically that might put their position of what they're doing at risk. Because, you know, there's moral clauses. There's certain things they can't do because they're representing their team. And um, that can include, you know, what kind of uh, certain plays uh, they're going to engage in. So, I mean, free speech is not free. It costs. I guess it's the way I, I look at it. Um, you know, in, in certain in certain circumstances, you are uh, kind of prohibited in what you're supposed to be able to say and do. Um, I guess ideally the founding fathers would have said, you know, but hopefully people won't make contracts to prevent you from exercising your constitutional rights and therefore, you know, some speech is protected. So I don't know. I, I don't know where that falls on the employment chart. Uh, I guess there's probably some coaches that respect the players and say they want to give them that, that opportunity, and there's others that get a lot of heat from the fans, and, and therefore they're reacting to it. So there you go. Well, it's an interesting question because, you know, I think it's a hybrid issue. Um, and ultimately, um, the NFL has to decide how it wants to handle it. I mean, if it's in their contract and they sign the contract and then they violate the contract, then that raises different issues. If it's not in the contract and then all of a sudden they start getting these protests and this blowback from fans and they decide, decide to institute a policy, then, you know, if, if somebody's in the middle of a contract, then they should have the option to get out of it if they don't agree with the new provisions that are being um you know put into them but the other thing that i thought of about this is 
you know, when we were talking, I think we talked about this a few months ago with the issue that we have locally where there is a coach for, was a coach, I believe, for a school. And so at the beginning of every football game, he would kneel down with the players or whatever it was and he would pray. And so the same issues came up um, with people where they started to debate, you know, the, the freedom of religion and, you know, the right to speech. And, and then they um, juxtaposed that against the employment issue where, you know, the contract says that you're not supposed to do this, and then there's the separation of church and state, and yada, 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 because, the, you know, the district is a quote-unquote governmental entity, and you should be leaving religion out of it. And it's interesting because in this instance, when we're talking about the NFL, some of the same people that are saying, hey, this is an employment issue, and if your employer says that you can't do this and that you can't kneel, then you should get off of your knees. And yet those same people have shifted gears when it became a religious issue and said, I don't care if it's in that coach's contract that he can't pray. He should be allowed to have freedom of religion and kneel down before the game. So it's just really kind of interesting how it's very difficult for people like the NFL or people like the school districts, you know, to make decisions because there are so many different people that are fickle and they flip-flop based upon convenience, and, and then you have to try to please those people. So I think that that's a very challenging position that I to be in that I frankly don't envy. What do you think about the social issues that are being raised around this? You know, what are you, the racial, you know, racial injustice and so forth. Well, I think there's there's huge uh, issues being raised, and I think it kind of goes back to there isn't equal protection under the law. Um, it's it's kind of a, and it's always been true to a certain extent. The question is, is you know, to what degree uh, does protection under the law equate to fairness. Um, obviously, if somebody's discriminating against you racially, um, it, it, that, you know, that, that's happened still to a, to a huge or significant degree. Now, obviously, some of these NFL players, by virtue of them being great you know, athletes, are able to secure some good deals, because they're not like the, necessarily the, uh, the best examples of the people who are lacking opportunity. But I think the issues that are being raised are legitimate. And I think it's the same issue represented in a lot of different ways in that, like, for instance, CEOs being accused of malfeasance, uh, of sexual harassment, and things like that, and then they're being asked to quietly leave. Their contract says, you're supposed to get $100 million as you walk out the door. And people are saying, wait a second, they're committing a crime, and yet you're giving them $100 million to leave. So how is that, again, equal protection under the law? Somebody commits a crime, if this was a low-level person, they would just get fired and they wouldn't get any severance. And yet if you're uh, at a certain level, you know, you get the big parachute. And now people are starting to question these things. And I think that's helping. Well, there are a lot of issues that, you know, that's one of them. And then, of course, people are um, talking about religion and the priests and the, you know, sexual uh, abuse of the children and yep. the... Um, you know, pedophilia and also, you know, the the pornography and whatnot and how, you know, there's there seems to be this big outcry against the NFL players, but not the same, at least perceived equal outcry against what's happening there. And that's been going on for forever. 
Um, and, and I guess when I look at the social issues that are being raised, you br- you brought up something about, you know, the fact that, and people say this as well, you know, well, they're wealthy. I mean, these, these overpaid. And I think one of the, somebody in Pennsylvania was telling you about this, and you ended up putting on Facebook, but this, this one, you know, Republican uh, official even got on there and said, you know, these are overpaid, you know, ignorant baboons, and, you know, they need to go back to Africa. And I think that that sentiment is out there, too, and, and being masked, uh, you know, under a, a different argument, but I think people really feel that way. But I think the other thing about it is, you know, if you find that there's this, this, you know, you're wealthy now and you should be above it. I mean, my God, I mean, you could be educated and 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 wealthy and well traveled and and be in a very progressive quote unquote environment and still face um, racism or discrimination or bigotry. I mean, there's just no escape from it. Um, and so I think that that's kind of a false argument. But at the same time, then you look at someone like O.J. Simpson, who you know got a different level of protection against. Um, what his crimes were, alleged crimes, quote-unquote, because he was wealthy. So it could go either way. But in terms of the social issues, um, I spoke about something in, I think it was the show we did on Ferguson, and no one in their right minds can deny that, that there is racism or profiling or other systemic issues. But I also indicated that when people are encountered by law enforcement, it's it's prudent to de-escalate and cooperate now, that doesn't mean that all of these situations are because someone did uh, escalate and didn't cooperate. And it doesn't mean that there aren't crooked cops or pr- police brutality and people that don't care whether you cooperate or not. They're just targeting you. But it just makes sense to exercise some common sense because I think that the the unarmed blacks are being shot and killed statement by Cap and others is a lot more nuanced than they're portraying. And I think that that's what people are um, kind of pushing back against because you see these things out in in the media or whatever, and you hear the stories about how they reacted and how these situations just kind of escalated and, and went out of control, and and that shouldn't happen either. So, um, but I also see comments from people that you know, well, these blacks are killing each other anyway, so you know somehow this negates the other issue, um, or you know that cap and other MFL players should direct their protest energies and their monies towards the black on black crime instead of trying to protest this. Well. I guess, first of all, many of them are doing that. They are involved in these charities, and I think LeBron and his school is a perfect example of trying to do that and and being involved with charities. But, yes, I mean, the crime stats that we are hearing about are atrocities. Um, They are atrocious, especially in places like Chicago. I mean, it's crazy what's happening there. Innocents are being caught in the crossfire. Uh, You know, people are pulling out guns at the drop of a hat to settle disputes. I, I think it's just... It's horrendous to to witness, and it's tragic. But I think that they are separate issues, just as there are non-blacks that are killing one another, and they still deserve, like you noted, due process and equal protection and fair treatment under the law. So um, what about Nike? Okay, so let's talk about Nike. Do, Do you think that this commercial that they just did was typical Nike stuff? Is it them trying to get into the social justice arena? What do you think about what Nike just did? I think they're trying to stir the pot to be a little edgy and uh, keep their brand awareness up. And, yes, some people are going to be upset and going to boycott them, and and some people are going to laud them for being edgy and being Nike. Yeah, someone just left a comment saying that they they are Nike as a business and they're a corporation and all they care about is um, making money that they don't care about social justice issues at all. Well, okay. Um, Nike uh, has a history of celebrating irreverence and sports achievement and people that do things that are unusual. 
um, that kind of go beyond the grain or go go above the grain or whatever. And Cap was under contract with them since 2011. He was up for renewal. It was kind of in a, a gray area, and there were several other um, shoe manufacturers that were kind of waiting in the wings to snag him. Um, and so they, you know, Nike ended up keeping him. They ran with this. Uh, I think it's because he's a lightning rod that they took advantage of that. And sure, in that regard, it was a business uh, decision, and they took a calculated uh, risk. And I think now their campaign is worth $163.5 million in, in a matter of days. So, yes, they had that first dip in the stock in the beginning, but, um, you know, people are burning their Nike gear. And, you know, my first thing is, okay, so you care about veterans, and many of them are homeless or struggling um, and living in tents, but you're burning Nike gear? I mean, why not donate it to them? But in any case, I mean, some entities are kind of dropping Nike and, like, there's a school in Missouri or whatever. And then, you know, the flip side of that is the NFL has a 10-year licensing deal with Nike. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, I think 60% of their full-year revenue is generated outside North America. And North America, you know, is, is not really seen as a, a place that's handling race issues well. Not that other places are doing um, that much better, but, you know, that's kind of our reputation. And I think two-thirds of Nike's customers are under the age of 40, and they tend to be, quote-unquote, progressive. Um, so if you start talking about who their their market share is and who they're going to play to, I don't think they care that much about losing a bunch of old white people, quote-unquote. Um, and so, it, it, you know, the short answer as to whether or not that's going to hurt them is time, is time will tell. But I think, you know, from all appearances, I, I, my bet is they're going to survive it and come out ahead. So... Um, well, one thing I want to say to you, they're going to have to make more and sell it. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's a crazy argument to say you got to be one thing or the other. Like, for instance, I would say all businesses at some level are interested in making a profit because if they didn't, they wouldn't stay in business. On the other hand, does that mean they can't have a social conscience? Like you can only be interested in profit and you can't be interested in profit and social conscience at the same time. I mean, I think the point is, is you don't you don't have to be one thing. That's a false dichotomy. I mean, obviously you have to yeah. care about business, um, but that doesn't mean you can't be conscientious. Um, I've seen some of the threads you've been in on Facebook and um, and and elsewhere on the internet too. I mean, I, not that much, but I see some of the memes that are kind of popped up in response to the ad. I think one of them was one of them had Osama bin Laden, which I thought was completely asinine, but. Um, the two most prominent ones that I'm seeing is one was about how Nike employs women and girls and how little they're paid. And, you know, meanwhile, these companies or Nike is making a profit off of this and using it to finance these big campaigns, these marketing campaigns and paying uh, sports figures millions and billions of dollars, you know, and I think LeBron's lifetime contract is like a billion dollars, but, um, I won't get into the details, and you know the background, but I, I may have talked about this on a previous show too, but I was with a company years ago. We visited dozens of Asian countries to assess and resolve the contractor and subcontractor issues which were arising with manufacturers, and Nike was a part of that. Uh, and there were numerous other major brands that were on Air Force One with us doing that. And I am not even going to pretend to excuse the environmental and label abuses that by any means that were happening and still happen to a certain degree um, with with these uh, companies. But many of the people that are sharing that Internet meme, you know, they had no problem wearing those items until this Nike commercial. So, it, you know, you're trying to point to their hypocrisy, and yet – here you are walking around in these clothes and these shoes and these phones and all these things that are made by some of those same people, but 
that you don't care until some guy takes a knee. So I, I just think that's a bit ironic. And then um, Pat Tillman. I mean, this is the conversation. I saw your exchange on that, you know, especially the one last night or whatever where the person just completely misrepresented your point and was arguing, like you said, a straw man about the difference between respecting what CAP is doing versus supporting it, which is a, it's a distinction or argument no one had even mentioned or was making. Um, in fact, his biographer actually said that based upon the people that he interviewed, Tillman was more likely to be the first person to take a knee with Cap, which sounds like support to me and not just respect. But in any case, you know, here's a guy, you know, a fellow Pat Tillman who was killed by friendly fire, and the military did him the great favor of trying to cover it up. So it just seems to me that people don't seem to get that if you're going to put somebody up there as a hero, um, his example is a lot more noble than how people that are using him are behaving to rip on, on Cap. I mean, I, I guess at the end of the day, let people decide who they choose to see as a hero. It's no skin off your nose. If somebody sees a sports person as a hero or a, you know, a community volunteer as a hero or, or whatever, who cares? It's none of your business. I mean, I don't have any heroes, but I just think it's weird that we've gotten into this myopia where we feel like there's only one way or one type of way to see a situation. There's only one type of hero that people can have, and so we've got to say, this is a real one and this is not. I mean, I would think that to those kids in certain parts of our country that that are looking for opportunities that don't have the same opportunities many of us have, maybe they do see those people like heroes. Maybe they do look at somebody like Russell you know, when he comes in and sees somebody in a hospital who's dying of cancer, they see those people as heroes. So why is it our business? Sure. I mean, so I just think that, you know, these memes just get really stupid. And I said on Facebook, I said they're vacuous. They are. They're stupid. And they, and I, I just think it's amazing that people don't do any due diligence and they just kind of throw stuff out there. You know, the, you know, it's like a turd into the punch bowl. They just throw stuff in there to keep the crap going, and they don't, they don't think about how to have a, a reasonable dialogue. They're not, they're not interested in having a genuine, respectful discussion. You know, they, they want to win and they think if they can make a point and, you know, call a sports star, a, you know, a, a poor example of a, of a hero, then they think they won something. And the reality is that's baloney, just like you said. There are obviously sports stars that people look up to. Um, you know, it takes a lot of discipline and effort and skill and capability to become successful at their level considering the millions and millions of kids that end up playing football in different sports, you know, to rise to the top of that profession is not an insignificant amount of effort. I think that's what they represent. And then, you know, when they can go out there and do good as a result of their successes, you know, and visit kids in hospitals and make donations and support causes, why not do it? Um, I think of, you know, people that you wouldn't even think of as a, as a typical hero. Uh, there was a... Um, an article recently about a scientist, a woman scientist, who had actually discovered pulsars. And her contribution, her actual work, she was the person who discovered it. She wasn't given the credit. And as a result, somebody else got the prize that she should have been uh, given. Well, they corrected it by giving her $3 million award recently. And when she turned around and says, I don't need the money, I'm going to set this up as a scholarship. For, for women and others that are trying to go into the science field and to encourage them to continue to keep going. Now, to me, that's a hero, too. So, yeah, yeah and I, you know, for me, I don't, I don't use that word. I mean, I, I guess I don't, I just don't see it that way. You know, when somebody, someone asks me, you know, who's your hero? I, I don't, 
I don't know how to answer that question because that's not how I view people, but that's just me and my own personality. But my point is that if someone else sees another person as a hero, then it's none of your business. And and people have the right to choose who their heroes are. And and you have to ask yourself, you know, why are you trying to to tear down what someone else you know, sees if, if it's no skin off your nose, you can have a difference of opinion about a, an issue and an issue, a difference of opinion about who's kneeling and who's not and whether or not it disrespects the flag or America or whatever. And you could have that discussion civilly. But I think that when you start getting into, you know, a situation where you're starting to denigrate other people as a result of it, you kind of have to ask yourself why you're doing that. And to me, this discussion is exactly the type of dialogue that we should be able to have in our society. Um, but it's becoming increasingly difficult because some have allowed the toxicity that's out there to influence their behavior. And I've seen comments like, you know, if you don't agree with me, just delete me or unfollow me, which basically communicates that people only want to have their opinions validated in an echo chamber. I can't imagine how fun or interesting or or challenging that could be considered. I find it a complete bore to be in a situation where my mind is not challenged and where I am not challenged. So I, I can't even imagine people being comfortable in an echo chamber. I don't get it. But I saw your effort to discourse with someone, and it got shot down as trying to have the last word. And I've got to say that whenever I've been told that, which is very rare, rare it was that person who really wanted to have the last word, and they projected it. And then they thought that bringing that up would succeed in guilting or embarrassing me into silence. And, I, you know, my response is, shit, if you don't want to have uh, a conversation about a subject anymore, just own it. Um, if you were sitting across from someone over coffee having a discussion and they said something, of course you'd respond. I mean, you wouldn't just get up and walk away. Um, so you reply to them on social media or through other digital means, and all of a sudden – you're not just having that conversation. You're just trying to have the last word. I think that's just disingenuous. So, I mean, for me, social media, which is, you know, coupled with the, you know, fractious political climate that we have out there, it's really changing and ending friendships and connections. And I see it happening, and I think it's very sad. And I know that for me, you know, when I go on the Facebook and see how people behave and the things they write, and, and you know, our relationship's never going to be the same. In some cases, I think those relationships have ended, or you just put them on the shelf and you accept that there are some, some things you do or don't enjoy about that person. But ultimately, I think you have to decide if you want to be a part of the solution or a part of the problem. And there's a difference between dialogue with a goal towards finding a win-win solution or some kind of common ground and just continually creating discord and divisiveness for its mere sake. I think that's, I think that's a character flaw, and I think it says something about, about the, that person. So I think that um, you know, I, I, I appreciate you, you reaching out to us and asking us to talk about this issue, um, but it's going to continue to rage on, and, and so it should. I just wish that people could just be a little bit more um, civil about it when they're doing it. I think there's a lot of different things I think about in response to this. One, I think uh, with the Internet and the way the communications are happening, I don't think it has to necessarily end friendships because you have some kind of disagreement over some issue. But I think that the people that have the ability to look at both sides of an issue and have a civil discourse, I think will have a higher quality of experience just in general. Um, you know, the, the people that want the echo chamber and just want to tear down the other side and want to win, I think what they're going to realize at the end of the day is eventually, you know, the quality of those ideas are not going to lead to better results. And I think that's where, you know, having this, kind of back and forth that we do have, you know, 50% for, 50% against, it seems kind of stupid and seems kind of uh, wasteful, 
But at the end of the day, what it forces people to do is really consider if there's two sides to an issue, how do you get the most of both sides? If you can't get the best of both sides, what do you end up doing? You come up with some, some other type of solution. So we just have to keep working at it is the way I look at it. Um, I think people have been throwing mud at each other, you know, since since the Stone Ages. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's true. I don't true. see that as yeah. changing. I don't see that's going to – that's not going to change. I mean, humanity is never going to be, you know, all kumbaya, we're all together on this, and we're all going to be of one mind. I just don't think that's going to be where we're going. I think there's always going to be this challenge of ideas. I think it's interesting that we're so evenly split, and that tells me that there's more than one legitimate issue, and we can't address it by only addressing half of the issue. That's what this is. I agree. You know? I agree and I think that. That's, that's what the election has talked about. I think that's what you know the, the needling talks about. I think that's what race relations talks about. It's basically saying is, you can't just take a one perspective and think, if I really dig into that one perspective, I'm going to find the solution. The reality is there's, there's, some, there's some solutions on both sides, and one side can't really um, get where we need to get by just, by just going through one set of solutions. We have to look at both sides of the equation, and I can you know, equate that to you know, what we're doing in race relations or what the sports stars are doing or what's happening in international politics or national politics in the United States. So it's it's certainly lashing its way out, that's for sure. And I I agree with that, especially about politics. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we just got back from, you know, being in Spain, and we the first person we encountered was somebody that's from Argentina. And, you know, he the, the, you get into these situations, what do you think about Trump? I mean, <laughs> no matter where you go. And <laughs> so it was very interesting to hear the feedback where it's not about whether or not they agree with Trump, or his policies or whatever, but it was surprising to hear this guy say, he's busting up a system in your country that needs to be disrupted um, for good or for bad. You know, this is, you know, that's the good part that has come out of it is that you guys have these special interests and these, you know, very entrenched interests. And so this is something that, you know, maybe this will bust up your system and something good will come out of it. So it was kind of interesting to have that discussion with a person who had said that. And I've had some people that I know um, that are, you know, stateside that feel the same way, even if they don't support Trump or the administration. And I think that, like you said, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, A or B choice, which is a false, false choice. Um, very absolutist yeah. thinking, and and I think that if you really are paying attention beyond the headlines and you understand policy and how it works and you understand how the system works, you'll realize that there's been good and bad in every administration. Um, and so you you kind of have to pull back and look at it the way that you know people look at the stock market. Sometimes you're going to have dips, sometimes you're going to the stock is going to shoot up. But if you look at it and you pull out the graph and you say this is the lifetime you know activity of the stock versus the five year versus the three month, you get a better perspective when you're able to step back a little bit and look at it instead of, you know, kind of getting into the middle of it and and just screaming your head off and seeing who you can convince. Um, And I think that one of the reasons why we ended up with with Trump, I don't want to talk about him, you know, specifically in detail in this particular segment, but one of the reasons why I believe that we got him is because of the attitudes of our elected, um, you know, population of our 
not only our elected population, but also our voters, I should say, um, our attitudes. We've stopped listening to one another, and we've entrenched, and we believe that we're right and nobody else is. And people are kind of sprouting out from that type of, um, of thinking, and, and you get a lot of pushback, and this is the kind of stuff that happens. This is the kind of disruption that happens as a result. Um, but I think that we also have an opportunity, um, especially if you're an adult, to model something differently for our future generations so that they don't perpetuate this or so that they learn. Um, because if we don't learn something from this disruptive uh, part of our history or time in our history, then it's a wasted opportunity. I mean, we have an opportunity to really do something differently um, now than we've, we've done before, um, you know, in, you know, in spite of, of Trump, if you want to look at it that way. So um, any other thoughts for the good of the order? Well, the the last thing I thought that was funny is, um, when he asked the question about Trump, he made a comparison. He says, well, we've got lots of politicians like him. You know, it's like he's like our, our European politicians. And it was, it was a funny comparison because you don't usually yeah. think, oh, my God, we're such, we're such an embarrassment right now. And, you know, and, and, and that's some people. And some people say he's busting up the system is exactly what we needed. So it's like you're almost like two sides of a coin or, some, you know, some split personality. And then to hear... Oh no! Oh no! No, we got the same thing over here too. <laughs> Was a very That's right. comforting thing to say. Look, our our problems are not so unique. You know, there's lots of places that are having this same kind of discussion and dialogue, and therefore, you know, uh, we'll, we'll survive. But you know, in some way, I think he is changing the system in a lot of ways, and you know, we're, we we definitely stirred things up for for a chance. And some things have been made more visible that haven't been, that have been obscured for a lot of years. And maybe that's a good time to start saying, look, maybe we need to reevaluate some of these things, whether it's trade policies or tax policies or racial issues, you know, you name it. Um, certainly there's going to be a lot more work done in coming years. Well, I don't know if comforting is the word I use, but, you know, I would say that it definitely keeps things in perspective. Um, and I forgot about that part when he said, hey, you know, Trump is like a lot of our European leaders, you know, so you finally got yours is what he what he said, you know. So that was kind of interesting. But, um, but you know, in terms of this issue with the NFL and, and Cap, you know, Cap, you know, Kaepernick and, um, you know, Nike and whatnot, I mean, obviously it's going to continue to blow itself over and um, – I think the bigger issue that's not going to go away so soon is going to be the, the, the reason why they took a knee. And that conversation is just not going to end. It's not going to go away. Um, people are kind of tired of it. And, and there are some, some changes that are happening over the past few years in race relations as a result. It's, it's part of the continuum. So um, I, I'm also interested in seeing what's going to happen with, with Cap's lawsuit against the NFL where he's accusing them of collusion and, and what that's going to do as well. Um, you know, it's basically a retaliation, a retaliation lawsuit in a lot of ways. So I'll be very. Um, other than that, I think you know. Overall, thanks for again, you know, bringing this up and kind of forcing us to get out and talk about it. I really didn't want to, but it's here, and so um, I think if I had you know a sign off um, before I do my outro, it would just really be to say that if you're going to participate in these discussions, at least try to listen. I mean, you don't have to agree, but try to listen. Um, and somewhere through that tunnel, you guys have come out on the other side. You may still disagree, but at least you'll better understand other perspectives. And I think that that puts you that much further ahead than not understanding or just shutting down dialogue or or just deciding to just throw you know lob grenades at one another. So that's my spiel. And then my my story, and I'm sticking to it. 
How about you? Any other yeah. thoughts before I sign off? No, I think that I think you covered it. Thank you. All right. Great. Well, thank you. So, oh, just on time. Thank you, CJ. Thank you guys for joining us this afternoon. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on our website, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM. Also on Facebook at backslash S-T-R-A Talk Radio. That's Sammy Tommy Roger, the number eight, and Talk Radio. This is Tonya Keating. I am signing off at about 2.47 Pacific Daylight Time, Friday, September 7th. See you next time. Thank you.